Hi, Curtis Joseph here. In this episode of Soul Science, I'm going to discuss spirit conjuration and invocation. Why would one want to perform these sorts of occult operations? And how can it possibly be something of use for you? Come with me. The entire premise of soul science is to engage dormant human potential with the forces that exist behind this physical corporeal reality, right? Now, if, as previously discussed, angels and demons are merely threads of the fabric of reality, specifically threads of specific potentials within the fabric of reality, and that those exist within us, it could be said that, yeah, we could practice spirit conjuration and spirit invocation in order to empower ourselves, as well as to take control of our life experience in an effective way to a certain extent. However, it's not absolutely necessary. And I'll get into that a little bit later within this episode. But first, what I want to do is go over what is actually happening in an operation of evocation, first and foremost, okay? To evoke a spiritual being so that it stands before you is to essentially activate that dormant potential from within and to extract it, to impose it upon your external reality through the mind's eye so that you can communicate with that potential specifically. Well, pretty much quieting the others, right? This way it can be compelled to task or it can be called upon to learn specific things regarding universal principles and how reality works and how we can create change within it. This is possible because the vibrational potential, right, exists outside of self as well. Now, how the being is perceived is predicated on your predispositions towards that potential power at the level of the subconscious mind. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, you are calling upon Belial. Oh, man, a lot of people on the right-hand path and the left-hand path alike will panic when talking about Belial. <laughs> right? So, it is likely that when encountering this entity, you might see something that is more akin to the Christian idea of a devil. This will be the case until experientially you get to understand the actual nature of this potential that you are dealing with. Your vision of the spirit then becomes less about subconscious 
predisposition and more about actual hands-on experience with the entity. This is what we call progress. And this is how we know we are evolving. When the spirits begin to evolve, that means we are following suit. And as we interact with these spirits, as we become neither for or against them, but simply learn from them what we can, learn to compel their potential towards the greater good rather than our own ego-driven ends, we are now moving into alchemical transmutation. You see. So, what we are doing when looking at a sigil that can be found in these medieval grimoires, whether we are talking about angelic forces, demonic forces, planetary rulers, elemental forces, they have something called a sigil or a seal that opens up their realms. These sigils are, in essence, linear codifications of these very specific potentials as they exist within the fabric of reality. It is oftentimes more productive if one creates their own sigils according to their own methodologies because then the specific force that is useful to you, the individual, is awakened rather than a collective egregore or a invested energy sink that is created through an individual thought form fed and constructed by many. Regardless, the code of that potential when activated by gazing upon it, by uh, meditating upon it until it begins to raise off the paper or the lines begin to flash or disappear. This is that blanket of energy descending upon you. This is an indicator of mental connection to that force. Now, the process of invocation is completely opposite. In the case of invocation, what we are doing is we are pinpointing in on this potential force as it exists outside of self and we are bringing it inward so that we can capitalize on that external intensity from within in addition to our own. This could be done in order to channel specific information from a spiritual being, if one has become adept at that. It could also be done in order to take on an entity's attributes in order to achieve a specific goal in your life's work. Whether that work might be mundane or spiritual is not relevant. Different spirits can be invoked for specific reasons. This relies less on subconscious predisposition and it involves more the invocation, the bringing inward of that potential as it exists within nature. And so if invocation is performed without a specific objective, it can become something akin to what people would call possession. As this external power 
has a weak conduit, right? It starts to short circuit the human neurological system, for lack of a better analogy. Now, in an alchemical sense, it's important to realize that these potential forces of light and darkness represent the creative and destructive potentials of the cosmos, of all that is. And if we remember the discussion on vibrational contagion, as we interact with these spiritual forces, they change us. They change us because their potential is activated within, through the human genome. This is why the human genome is called, by science, the book of life. The book of life and the book of revelation are one and the same. Revelation is the knowledge that comes forth through a more highly evolved human being. The mark of the beast is the mark of man. It is six, 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 six protons, six electrons, and six neutrons. The inversion of that number is nine, nine, nine. This is divine perfection, and it is the true spiritual math that defies modern mathematicians. It works from zero through nine, rather than one to ten. You have to be a fully realized human being in order to reach that state. So to be an effective human being is the first step in human evolution. What we also need to grasp and keep in mind is that we are calling upon potentials, whether we are evoking them or invoking them. So, to create change in self, you can create your own linear codification for a specific potential that you want to draw power from. You can create a sigil for wealth and you can call upon it and tell it to make itself known in your life. You could also invoke utilizing that same force so that you begin to vibrate in a way that is in alignment with that desired objective. This can be done in regard to anything that you want to achieve. And I will reveal specific ways of doing that later on in soul science. Just know this, me, myself, as an occult writer, as an occult author, I am always going to call upon angels and demons. Some have called me a mad scientist in regard to this. That might be true. You don't have to. I'm going to show you exactly how you can simply call upon the specific potentials that you need to capitalize on so that you can keep to the sole premise of modern, applicable 
spirituality. That's the goal here. Now, I think it would be wise for anyone listening to soul science to look at the greater and lesser key of Solomon simply for educational purposes so that you can grasp an idea of how ceremonial magic operates. I think this will enable you to either work with the forces of light or the forces of darkness at your convenience as you see fit, as they may call to you and as they may interest you. Or it will simply give you an idea of the working mechanics of ceremonial magic for the sake of the knowledge alone. Because similar operations can be applied to call forth attributes of potential in context to wealth, in context to love, in context to success, or specific things that you may want to obtain in life, such as a home, a vehicle, whatever it is that you may need to live more comfortably in order to be able to more intensely focus on your spiritual development. Now, I can already hear this. Well, why don't I just call upon winning lottery numbers? What we have to remember is that the lottery always wins. Just because they might be giving away a jackpot of $320 million at any point in time does not mean they come out on top. You can't technically win the lottery because they always win. And the mathematical odds are a little interesting to work with. You got a better chance getting struck by lightning in an airplane. (laughs) So let's remember that this is modern, applicable spirituality, but it is also very practical. There is always legwork. There is always footwork into achieving, in regard to achieving anything. It's just the way it is, right? So with all that in mind, And with that being said, this episode has given you some suggested reading and it has educated you in regard to why we would want to call upon specific spirits in our work. You learned about the difference between calling them to stand before you and bringing their power inward to achieve your objectives. You learned about sigils, what they are, and you learned that you will learn how to create those later on in this show. This was productive. Keep in mind that within context to what I teach, 
the forces of light and the forces of darkness are neither absolutely good or absolutely evil in and of themselves. Whenever a light is shined, a shadow is cast. Absolute light and absolute darkness are equally blinding. It is only through the careful balance of both that we can see the truth that stands before us. So, I hope you have found this episode useful to you. If you have, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. The more people we can reach out to, the bigger change we can create in the world as a whole. Until next time, Curtis Joseph, signing out.